Hello, and welcome to another episode of After School with Dylan Mack. Today we interview Ayman Hausam, founder at Jivika, Mindfulness Through Micro Habits. Ayman helps frontline caregivers prevent burnout by using mindfulness techniques. She has also hosted her own TED Talk, where she shared her own personal experiences and how they shaped her. Today, we interview Ayman to ask her about where she got her courage from, how she grew to be so outspoken, and everything in between. Hello, Ayman. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And, uh, you know, my parents don't like me when I ask this question, so I'm going to try to, they think I ask too much, so I'm going to slim it down. First, just give us, you know, the, the, the cover. What do you do, who you are, and all that? So that's, I love that question. So because I'm at a stage in my life, I, it gives me a moment to pause and think and uh, reflect. So I'm Ayman Mukherjee, Househam. I, uh, so I used to work on Wall Street. That's how I met your dad. He was my co colleague. Um, and uh, I am a technologist. Uh, and But then I kind of, I had a personal traumatic incident. And you can learn more about it on my TEDx talk. Uh, but to cope with the trauma, I started meditating. And, and that was while I was on Wall Street. And I started noticing, I mean, the obvious things, of course, I became happier. But there was something else happening. My immune system seemed to be a little bit more stronger. And so I would fight off cold, common cold and cough a little bit better. What was happening? I got super curious. Uh, I was also doing pretty well in my, uh, my Wall Street career, but I decided, okay, I need to find out how meditation or mindfulness actually helps. So I did something completely unconventional, especially given my Indian immigrant background, which my parents didn't approve of. I left my very stable career and I went back to school. I said, okay, this time I'm going to first, I started with learning neuroscience. So I, I took neuroscience graduate That was the first caught, like that was the first thing you did before you, all this happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I, I, I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And that wasn't important. I, it, what drove me was the curiosity. Um, so I said, okay, I, I need to know what happened because maybe it's brain-based changes. So I went back to school. I went to NYU and I did neuroscience uh, graduate courses. My professor was super impressed. I did very well. And that's because I loved it. Uh, he said, okay, I think uh, I can recommend you to work at NYU Langone as a researcher. So I was actually paid to be a researcher at a brain lab working with children with autism and uh, ADHD. And I did that for a year, um, learned a lot of neuroscience. That kind of took off my, uh, kicked off my career as a neuroimmunology researcher. Because remember I mentioned how the immune system was changing. So there is a link 
between how we are, uh, the state of our mind, and the immune system. So I started researching. I have many, uh, several uh, peer-reviewed papers and two book chapters on brain science and neuroimmunology. Um, I'll be happy to share it with you afterwards if you if you course, want to get bored. Um, but then I also decided, okay, I, I really want to teach the simple. It's that simple to be happy and healthy. Okay, I need to teach the secret to others. So what I did was I became a therapist. I became a clinical social worker. I went to the clinic uh, social work school at NYU. And while I was doing that, my research friends who were doctors asked me to teach them to meditate. And that became my first exposure to what I later found out was a severe problem in healthcare workers. So when I walked into the room of doctors... And that was also your first time teaching meditation. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've well, taught like, meditation to others, but... Uh-huh. Like families and kids, yeah, not, not like a stranger or bigger scale like this. No, not not in uh, organizational levels. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so when I walked into the room, I noticed that there were the f- chairs were all filled up, and there were literally people sitting on the floor because they wanted it. Um, and I started reading up after that, and I found that the burnout level of doctors is so bad and later on I found nurses too that it's a socioeconomic crisis so a doctors and nurses are at least twice as likely to take their own lives because they're super burned out and depressed um and is that just because um not to interrupt you sorry is that just because like of the of the environment they're in of like the set or that's a great question yeah no you know so I, the truth is doctors and nurses, these are people who are in a profession where they give, right? A lot of, care, they're caregivers. Mm. And caregiving professions always have something called compassion fatigue. I don't know if you've noticed uh, if you had to take care of someone or even be around someone who is sick, right? For a while, do you start feeling exhausted not because you're sick, but you're experiencing their illness. You almost kind of like give them your like health and then you get yeah. to lose it. Yourself. It's almost like an exchange. Yeah. So that's inherently there. Compassion fatigue is a part of their pro- uh, profession. And there are ways to deal with that, but, but that's never taught in medical school. But there is something else too. Um, you know, physicians used to be, over time, what happened is, you know, uh, hospitals became owned by um, in large in large scale investors. So, you know, you have the private equities um, taking over hospital systems uh, as opposed to before. It was mom and pop, little private practice where people had more doctors had more autonomy. So that's gone. So doctors and nurses, too, are now just high paid um factory workers you know yeah, and yeah. on top of that they're slammed with a very dysfunctional um record keeping system so i don't know well, think about the last time you went to your gp or your internal medicine doctor for your health checkup mm. did you notice he was or she was constantly typing up uh, at their computer yeah 
that's the record keeping system and they have to constantly do that uh, and and they have to do it even after work at least one to two hours a day and this is just forgiving it's not forgiving no, it's not forgiving. And, you know, it doesn't work. In, in the day days of uh, chat GPT and AI, um, this could easily be solved. Uh, it's going to be a large-scale problem. So they're, they're basically asked to do things that they don't want to do. And so they're burned out. I mean, besides, of course, uh, it doesn't help that they, ha- they have a huge amount of compassion fatigue. So f- at nearly 50% of these workers, hospital workers, are actually leaving their jobs. There's a big, big shortage um, happening right now as we speak, but it's intensifying. And of course, COVID didn't make it easy for them either. It must have actually increased the rates of Oh yeah, it, it kind of like accelerated it. Uh, uh, the so my product, what so this is the problem, right? So I saw the problem when I walked into the room of uh, doctors. I wanted to do something to help them to end the problem. Very naively, so, but that's how founders think, right? They mm-hmm. they think that they can change the world, and sometimes when you have that grand vision. You, you are often successful because you're motivated by the calling. So that's what I did. I founded a company called Jivika, and we work with doctors and nurses and other hospital yeah. workers. Before, before we go into yeah. that, though, I'm curious. Yeah. So, sorry, I, I, I let you. This was great. I have um, a signature question, though, that I love to ask. Please that kind do. Of, kind of shines on like kids like my age, right? Yes. So, and it's going to be completely unrelated to what you were saying now, but let's say you were in like, you know, you're a high school age, 17, 18, 16. Yeah. You just finished school, right? Yeah. What I like to say, it's like a Tuesday afternoon. It's a random mm. day. You got, mm. you, you get home or you get out of school. Yeah. Are you rushing home or like, yeah. are you hanging out? Are you a social person hanging out with friends? Are you doing your homework immediately? Are you playing some sports, watching TV? You know, like what were your hobbies as a kid? Yeah. This is basically what I'm asking. My hobby. Or your parents, was, like what they wanted to. <laughs> I was a super nerd. I'm, I still am. Uh, maybe that explains my research career. I love <laughs> to read. I loved. Uh, I love to research. I've always loved to research. I uh, even when I was on Wall Street, I would research. Uh, you know, how to calculate net assets under management and stuff like that. Um, So I was a researcher and I did it for fun. And uh, I was the kid you'd find uh, didn't play sports. Hmm. I do. I do more now. I'm I actually do enjoy uh, physical activities because that's a big part of my mental well-being. Um, So. Yeah, but as a as a kid, I didn't. I was a nerd. I had few friends, um, so I I kind of am like the typical no, like textbook example of a nerd. So what's interesting to me though is, were, do you think you were good at communicating when you needed to or socializing? Because um, obviously now you are like yes. a CEO and like yes. a leader, and like. I'm assuming you need these skills, the socializing skills, the communicating skills, yeah. or even convincing skills to get people on board. Get like and like, That's so a great it, yeah. Either did you go from you think nerd and somehow like made some transition, or like you know nerd like meaning like, yeah, yeah. Or, like, no, I love it. Please or call did, me. Or did or did you or do you think something? It's like something you always had, but like you never 
really I, like, um, unlocked it until later in life. That's I a great question. Not a big question. But. No, I, I love it. I love it. This is really great because no one asked me that and I love it. Um, thinking back, I, I think there were a few. So I think leadership involves a lot of, it requires empathy, especially I feel like your generation is already showing it. Um, there is a lot more empathy and sensitivity in the future leaders. And I I actually did have that proudly. I can say so. Um, uh, so how does empathy help leaders? So um, I can get to that, but there were other qualities too. So empathy, just in short, you know, if you can feel the other people's problems, you know there is a problem that really needs to be solved. So that's when a leader is born or entrepreneur is born, your calling is born. So I always had that. Um, but I also had uh, a very strong opinion. <laughs> Sometimes my parents didn't like it, uh, but I was that kid who uh, knew what uh, she wanted. So I think uh, sometimes the, they were wrong, those opinions, but um, I stuck to them. And uh, later on, even if I struggled with those decisions, I realized and learned from it. And I think I've always had that kind of um, uh, mindset where like I learned from mistakes. I learned from mistakes. And I am a bit stubborn and I always... <laughs> And that 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 I did think helped with the leadership in terms of communication. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. You're saying you're as a kid, you were like, whatever, whatever, you know, a few yeah. friends, and then you go from that to like <laughs> having a TED talk. I think is like I have to say, Dylan, it's a lot of it happens from um. Sadly, often, not everyone has to go mm. through struggles, but I did have a lot of um, like uh, unfortunate events in my life. And some of them were my choice, my own choice. Uh, like I said, I was a stubborn kid and sometimes I didn't make the right choices. And what happens is when you um, are left, so I was, for example, the trauma I had mentioned, I was, mm. I, so I'm very happily married to someone who is yeah. amazing and I have two kids and all is good now. But back when I was a much younger kid, I decided uh, to marry someone and he turned out to be physically abusive. And I actually ran away, literally ran away from him uh, after a year of being together. Now, uh, and no touch there. I don't know where they are and all of that. But that trauma of basically being killed almost mm -hmm. uh, was a big eye opener. Um, but almost like in a okay, I don't know how to say like yeah, lit, like like lit a fire in you, like passion that you were like I I have to do something it's, about this. Almost it was almost actually there was a crisis at first after that uh, because you know if someone goes through such a traumatic event like life and death event mm -hmm. um they do struggle at first to like there is a lot like it's like some the an event has taken you and shaken you up 
And then you have to find your bearing, right? So I was finding my bearing. I was, um, I, I could have gone either way, but I decided, okay, I need to find um, how to cope with it. And that coping was Must be so what hard. almost elevated how I saw the world. Uh, this is the question that I wanted to answer before I actually decided I'm going to answer the calling. Yeah is um, what would I do? Uh, so what would I, so if I die, like everyone dies. If you're born, you live a very long That's and That's like one of the few certain life. things in life. That's what they say, right? Exactly, right? So, but when I die, um, what would make me feel good to say goodbye to this life? Uh, what do I have to do? And I decided I want to help people. Wow. And that was an easy answer. And that helped me leave a lot of material comforts. And I mean, of course, I saved uh, up before I did, did take yeah. this leap. Um, but yeah, but but it's it's not like an upward trajectory, smooth cur curve. It's not easy. No, it's actually up and down, up and down. You go through like many iterations um, to find that. And but you don't have to go through a trauma to find it. You can ask that question. That's just your story. Now. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever, so when you thought like, I want to help people. Yeah. Did you ever like, and like, I know with kids my age, we feel like this, especially. Did you ever like face resistance and you were almost like, maybe this isn't for me. But then it seems like you did obviously bounce back with everything you've done. And like, how did you bounce back? Because I know kids, including me, like, you know, yeah. you, you're like, oh, my God, I really want to do this. But then you see kind of how hard it is or whatever. Yeah. And obviously, as kids, we don't have the full real world of picture course. yet. But we're like, wow, that's intimidating, scary. Yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm not, like, made out for this. And then we yeah. almost give up. I was wondering how, like, maybe you motivated yourself or. I do it all or, the time. Or, yeah, or fought, yeah, or fought that. <laughs> and, like, what tips that's... you have or advice for, like, kids. Absolutely. Like so my biggest tip is, okay, fear Fear could be a motivating factor. It could be exciting. Um, and to be honest, if you're an entrepreneur, you did take a leap of faith. And it's very scary. I have imposter syndrome. I question everything every day and I work harder for it because I don't want to be proven. I want to be proven wrong. I'm not an imposter. But of course. how do I motivate? <laughs> how do I motivate myself? It's very easy if you think, okay, this thing is super scary, but if I don't take the chance now, will I regret? Because, um, you know, you may or may not succeed in the thing that you're trying to take a chance um, at, but if you never take took the chance, you'll live a very safe life. But the question is, um, would you always wonder what if I did that? But of course, there are things that are physically dangerous. I wouldn't advise, I would advise against that. Like, yeah. you know, there are things that, you know, I could bungee, I don't want to bungee jump and I'm okay <laughs> with that, you know. Um, but at the on the other hand, if it's an idea that's keeping you up all night or during the day and you want to try it out or, if there is a major or minor that you want to try out and people resist, 
but you feel pretty convinced that you want to try it out. You don't want to have regrets when you're older of like, what if don't I don't just... want to regret? I mean, at 17 or 18, to be honest, it's hard to find your often hard to find your calling. If you're lucky, you. Yeah. And it's definitely and... fully, it's definitely yeah. fully, what's the word? Like try like, like a, I, I'll say adults right now. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah are trying to maybe you know whatever it is teachers college counselors are trying yeah. to pull that out of you right because like yeah. the quicker and better they can get it like the, and, you know but it, it's hard for great. us kids who like you know we don't really you know a lot of kids don't know and I, and what's funny with no. this podcast is that a lot of and including you in some way like yeah. did not go the way you always thought you were going to right something no, exactly and then you go like a different way and yeah I think that's what like i think i'm hoping at least the audience here you know, no, you know, you don't have to be all figured out. No, and you know, I became, I was a technologist, I mentioned. So I studied computer science originally, because that was the hot thing at that time. And that my dad um, thought, okay, if you study this, then you're going to find a nice job. And I did. Um, honestly, I wanted to study archaeology. <laughs> and my dad said, that's a dead science and uh, not even as so so but of course you know i'm still interested in archaeology i i watch all the ancient civilization podcasts and videos but truth is i'm still not an archaeologist but back then that was my curiosity i'm still feeding that curiosity um sometimes you love something um and you end up being passionate about it all your life but then there are certain ideas. If you want to be entrepreneurship is when you're trying to solve a problem that exists very uh, strongly. You have this urge to solve that problem. And uh, then I, I think you, sh you can, whatever you study, whatever you do, you can still try to solve a problem. And I'll be happy to guide you through it offline, online, afterwards, if you have a problem that you want, like if, there, if you see a problem that you want to solve in the society. Um, because ultimately entrepreneurship is highly recommended if you're trying to change the world. And I feel like- Do it yourself. The youth, thank you. And, and the youth it is the voice of future and the more young people, try to change make those little social changes more entrepreneurs will be born and you can start it now and i do think that entrepreneurship is very much a scalable transferable skill yeah and it doesn't need to be some i mean even like this little podcast here is helping a little problem exactly i'm super so impressed that you're doing it it doesn't need to be uh a big company or whatever no no yeah no it's the it's the intention uh, in your heart of making a change. You're literally making a change by um, helping others, your your peers um, to think. And that's something I never did at your age. And I, I applaud you for that. Thank you. Um, one more thing I'm in. Yeah. And this might be like a, like, let's just say you have a, like, you, like you're almost doing another TED talk, right? But you're in a room full yeah. of kids like me, my age, or actually maybe even like a little bit older, maybe people going out of college who also still mm -hmm. are like trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And they're, and they're like, we're worried, you know, we don't know 
like we we don't we feel like we don't have a passion while it feels like everyone else does how would you and this is a weird question but how would you like comfort them based off your own experiences it's okay not to have burning passion to change the world the truth is um everyone has their own trajectory and for some people it could be passion to change the world it, some it could be passion to build wealth um some people it could be a passion to you know build a family or have a life that's you know they want whatever that is for them and and that's good ultimately what is the goal that we are all pursuing right um i think one of the big goals is to be happy <laughs> and whatever that means for you though is the thing i feel like exactly. with kids especially now with social media too there seems like there's like this Ooh. like this like happiness scale where like you have to have a lavish life etc you know what i mean like blah it's, blah blah uh, social is media is very tough i think um we have made such advances in uh, social media but there the truth is when i i was working at a brain lab right for children um and one of the things you see you do see is the brain on um it's almost like instead of brain on drugs brain on social media or um browsing and there has to be some there are lots of studies that are being done now right and we don't know the extent scientifically speaking of how um how harmful uncontrolled social media could be social media is great it's right great, like tool but you have to be careful. it's a tool it's just like our brains are tools that we can use to plan to invent but not to overthink similarly social media we have to um there has to be some hygiene for example for me i like that word hygiene i'm an adult i was at one point i found myself especially during pandemic i was literally browsing before going to bed like aimlessly Ooh. and i caught myself catching is important what was happening is you know many people do this i stopped it you go for like uh dopamine hits uh every time you see a post but what's also happening is you're not controlling what's going inside your brain because you don't know what's out there so a post could actually negatively affect us while we're trying to sleep so yeah that hygiene yeah so you would say you know be aware of yourself but also and also you don't have to live for anyone else basically yeah my dad says something and i love that i've always always said it i've been a sensitive kid all my life and i've often am worried did i do something wrong did i hurt someone without knowing and he always says look you would probably hurt someone without knowing but as long as you're not consciously hurting anyone or intending to hurt anyone do your business do what you think is right and and that's how you keep your conscience clear but do do what you think is right well and that's a great way to end it off so <laughs> i'm in uh thank you so much again for being on this episode 
And just where can our audience like just like learn more about you? Awesome. Yeah. So there is a website. We're actually building it. And by the time this will air, I think uh, the rebuilt uh, website will be ready. It's called mindfuljivika.com. And then also they can, of course, listen to your TED Talk, which is awesome. You know, I had a TED Talk as a kid, which is funny. So You did? Yeah, but it's nothing as like, you know, crazy or cool. As yours, mine was just like a little. I mean, you know, it was like I was a kid. I think I was in fourth I love grade. That. It wasn't like a big one though. It was like you, you know. Send, what I mean? I'll sure, look I can it send up. It to you. Can you, you send can, it? To if you just look up my name, Dylan Mac, and Ted Talk, Dylan Mac. Okay, yeah, funny, I, I think you're onto something, Dylan, and um, I, I'm sure you're proud of yourself. No, I mean, it. I'm proud of everyone else who's like. I'm so happy that like I can people that like you that are willing to do this This i love it and there is anything you need or any questions you have um just shoot me an email because honestly i i think the future generation um is where of course the future is and anything i could do to help you guys is my honor thank you Ivan. that means so much all right (laughs) have a great like i know you have to go so good luck in whatever you're doing take care